It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 13th of February. Ten in a row, and this one in the most remarkable fashion. We'll talk about how the Jazz pulled it off on what was a difficult night, and then we'll time machine Tuesday. And I have a sneaking suspicion we'll find a 10-game win streak. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Postcast, empty the noggin, are both available for you at LockedOnJazz.net. Hope you grab those after every game. You can follow me, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, on Instagram at DLock09, Snapchat at DLock9. Thank you for doing both those at Locked On Sports on Twitter. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast about the Utah Jazz, bringing you insight, expertise, and... Uh, Look behind the curtains and a few other fun things, maybe even some geeky numbers along the way. What a win last night by the Jazz. Their 10th in a row on a night where really nothing was working. The Spurs, to me, are one of the greatest mysteries of the NBA. When you look at the Spurs, you want to know how is it possible that a team, LaMarcus Aldridge, Pau Gasol, Kawhi Leonard hasn't played, is the number two defensive team in the NBA. Like, how is that possible? It really doesn't make much of much of any sense at all. And if you watch last night, it makes complete sense. They have a game plan. They're incredibly detailed. They dictate where you go on the floor and how you play. And as good as the Jazz have been, the Jazz were not good enough to dictate it back. The Jazz the Jazz simply couldn't. Uh, and so last night the Jazz got really ex- knocked completely offensively out of everything that they wanted to do. The ball movement wasn't going. The blender, as Quinn likes to talk about, wasn't going. Donovan was just on, couldn't figure out any idea what to do. He couldn't get his catch-and-shoot three. His above-the-break three is not as good. I mean, there, there it, was, it was an absolute perfect display of how great the Spurs are and, and what they do and how a team with Kawhi Leonard is out for the, almost the entire season, has this win-loss percentage, just kind of stunning. And yet they, they showed... Uh, all of it last night. The Jazz were victim to it. And it shows. The Jazz offense had a offensive rating, as we kind of run through that, of 102.9 last night. And so what did the Jazz do? But defensively, they were unbelievable again. Spurs without a lot of their guys. We're going to have a hard time scoring. And the Jazz had their 23rd game of the season with a defensive rating of under 100. What I just thought about, and I and I don't have the, I have not looked at, 
is how many of those 23 games have happened when Gobert was healthy. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them happened before Gobert got hurt the first time. What I don't remember is which game he comes back from, but it doesn't look as though many of them happen in that next stretch, though maybe they did. Uh, but so eight of them happen when Gobert plays before the first injury. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them have now happened in this win streak. So 16 of the 23 have happened on each side of his first and last injury. 100 defensive rating means the other team is scoring at a rate less than or equal to one point per possession. The number one defense in the NBA right now is that of the Boston Celtics, and that's the number they're at. You you hold a team under... 100 points per 100 possessions, you win. Not all the time, but you're going to win. And that's where that's what last night is. That is the Jazz defense carrying him through a night where the offense had no idea. That is the fourth time in this 10-game road trip, or this 10-game win streak where I'd say that happened. Detroit, Toronto, Memphis, and San Antonio. Not, now you're beginning to have what what makes what lets you win 10-game win streaks. Is when you're winning four of them because of defense and six of them because of offense. The three-point shooting continues to be incredible. They were 11 of 24 last night. They are shooting 45% from three on this win streak. The Spurs, though, are tough. The Spurs are the sixth best team in the NBA at defending the above the break three. They are the seventh best team in the league at defending the corner three. And they're the sixth best team at the league at denying threes. And that's really what happened to the Jazz last night. The Jazz only got 28% of their shots off as threes. In the second half, after going 8 of 16 in the first half, the Jazz in the third quarter went 4 of 22 shooting couldn't get shots off. Couldn't get the shots they wanted. The Spurs had completely eliminated the Jazz from what they wanted to do. In some ways, each of these wins makes you believe a little bit more, obviously. One, they're beating really good teams on this streak. But they're each doing them in different fashions. The Warrior-esque run in Golden State. And last night, just on a night where just things weren't good, they found a way. The three-point shooting stuff is incredible. The Jazz in this win streak are shooting 45% from three, and opponents are shooting 29.9%. They did it again last night at, at holding the Spurs to 24% shooting. And then maybe most importantly, the Jazz are generally not allowing a great deal of threes to go up. The Jazz are... are League average is around 35% of all shots are threes, and the Jazz are 29.7% allowing of threes in this in this streak. But last night, to me, for almost the entire night, 
was an example of, if you wonder if a franchise, the Jazz are modeling themselves after, how is it possible that this team's doing what they're doing? And that was the answer. Is that the Spurs just had the Jazz completely out of their game. And and then and and Quinn tried everything. The Spurs were playing a second the second lineup the Spurs were playing was this was a very small lineup, almost four guards. And so Quinn went to Crowder at the four almost immediately. After Crowder played the three almost immediately. The the night before Crowder comes in as the four. The, and then Jure, then Jurebko enters for a brief stint of about two minutes, and then Crowder goes back to the four. Finishing up with favors. And then Jurebko comes back, and they try it again, and it goes minus five. So then in the second half, Jurebko doesn't see the court. Crowder plays the four. 21-6 to run by the Jazz in the middle of the fourth really changed the game. And they used a little bit of everyone. And then Quinn just tightened it up and didn't use anyone. Jonas played eight minutes. Alec played eight minutes. Udo played two. Neto played 18. Had a tough night. Spurs Spurs expose every single one of your weaknesses. So Neto kept getting pinned underneath the glass for being small. Donovan was being forced to play in the mid-range, off his floater, off the bounce, which is not a strength. They, Joe Ingles early took advantage of some weird defensive schemes, which were a little surprising, and buried 10 points early on another great night. The other storylines of the night all happened late, and all were mammoth. By the way, just to back up the numbers on Donovan so you understand, when Donovan shooting a pull-up off the bounce shot this year, shooting 35% from the field, 30% from three. If he gets a catch and shoot, he's 43% from three. 43% overall. If he gets inside 10 feet, he's 61%. The Spurs left him outside 10 feet and had him shooting everything off the bounce. He ended up going three of six off the bounce on threes, three of seven on pull-ups overall. He got two catch-and-shoots the entire night. And then around the basket, he was three of nine. But he, they had him, he was uncomfortable until, of course, he took over the game late because the kid's incredible. The story of the night to me, and we'll, we'll, we'll dig into it here in just a second, is what happened between Quinn Snyder and Rudy Gobert uh, on the sideline last night. But first, let me remind you to slow the flow. I hear bowlers saying it all the time on the broadcast. I wonder if he I, – I, I think they're a sponsor. I know they're running that terrible spot on the radio version where they've sped my voice up and I sound like a chipmunk. I'm pretty pleased about it. Uh, slow the flow, my friends. So water, W-E-R. Water efficiency rating. Think about it as if you're an NBA player and it's WER. And can you be a water efficiency all-star? So if you install a low-flow toilet, you save 0.3 gallons per flush. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but flushes add up. Particularly if you've just been to Memphis. Just kidding. 
Another way to boost your rating is by taking showers instead of baths, by keeping them under five minutes. With a five-minute shower, you use about 12 to 25 gallons of water, and a full tub uses 90 gallons, or excuse me, 70 gallons. Now, you also can start thinking about this kind of logically. Okay, well, if I take a five-minute shower and take it down to a four-minute shower, I've just saved 20%, right? We can probably figure that kind of math out. It's not rocket science. So what are these other little things you can do along the way? By the way, that one minute of shower saves 1,875 gallons of water every year. I mean, if you just think about the show, we've got you know, 10, 12, 14,000 listens. If each of you guys do that, it gets pretty awesome, right? Like if every single – if we have 10,000 listens today, we'll probably have more. But we would save 18 million gallons of water as a group. Come on. We can do that. Slowtheflow.org. Slow the flow. Save H2O. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple because, let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. And if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. So to me, the moment of the night is is Rudy Gobert is about to check into the game. And Derek and Ingles, who are the Jazz best pick-and-roll combination and ha- has been all year, other than actually I think there's a weird, like, Udo somebody, because Udo's really pretty good. Um, but the Jazz number one pick-and-roll combination this year is Joe Ingles and Derek Favors. Uh, and had we traded Derek Favors at the deadline, we- we'd be in trouble right now. We'd, we'd be having a hard time. But we didn't. Uh, and the guy that's playing instead of the guy we traded is better than the guy we traded in Royce O'Neal. So Joe Ingle, the Jazz have this great diversity. Go, you know, Rubio's run like 1,500 pick and rolls, and Mitchell's run like 1,300 pick and rolls, and Ingle's run like 700, and Rodney was pretty dang good at it at 500. And, and the pick and roll between Favors and Ingles is up there. Rubio Udo is actually, picks, has kind of actually been our best somehow. And there's a bunch of other little small ones that are pretty darn good. But the one that's been used the most this year uh, is the Joe Ingles, Derek Favors pick and roll. And it's, other than Rubio Udo, it's the best we got. And the Jazz rolled it back-to-back times for huge baskets late. And, And Favors got fouled on another one, so three times. And in the midst of that, Gobert's getting ready to check back in. Quinn goes up to talk to him, give Quinn credit that they have the relationship that they can do this. And Quinn kind of says, what do you want to do? And Rudy decides, let Derek roll. And the Jazz win. So for Rudy Gobert, who's the face of this franchise, 
but at the same time is still a young, developing star player who has not had an all-star game, has not had the recognition that he probably wants. To put the team ahead of himself in that circumstance feels mammoth to me. I believe, and I might be overstating this, I was trying to kind of check around last night and see if anyone else agreed with me, uh, that Derek Favors drives home last night more a part of the team. Derek Favors' te- or Rudy Gobert's teammates drive home last night feeling Rudy's got their back. If he'd do it for him, he'd do it for me too. And Rudy is awesome and a great leader and completely committed to being awesome. At points in his career, I think it would have been fair for people to wonder, like, is Rudy in it for Rudy? Is, like, that question's over now. That's awesome. There's only so many times you get a chance to prove this. He did. His rehab has proved it. He's proved it in numerous other ways as well. But for Rudy to not go back in the game when he wants to be first team all league, second team all league, defense player of the year, whatever you want to call it, with all this per- and and step aside and let favors finish. It's a pretty enormous moment to me for the franchise going f- forward. I. I I almost could go as far as saying, and I'm going to go as far as saying, but I'm not sure I'm totally accurate, that I think Derek drove home last night thinking he could be here next year, maybe for the first time. There's, you know, it's not a, the easiest thing in the world in the sense that you still, you know, got to figure out playing time and roles and positions and all these kind of things. But I do think that, you know, partially last night, Derek probably drove home last night thinking to himself, wow. Like I think that's a big deal. I don't. Uh, I. I don't want to. I'm not actually sure you can overplay it. I thought it was a mammoth deal. The other one last night was Donovan down the stretch. So I mean, the Spurs have just crushed the Jazz last night. The Jazz cannot figure it out. They're shooting everything in the mid range. They're shooting everything as these little floaters, and it, it's it's a mess. And Donovan is in the midst of most of it. The Jazz finished the night. Adventure of that game. Here is Ingles. The Jazz. Sorry about that. The Jazz finished the night five of twenty-three in the paint, non-restricted area. Four of fourteen on the mid-range. That the Spurs forced them to go nine of forty-one in that mid-range area. That, that's what the Spurs wanted. Donovan is having most of those troubles. And then late in the game, and and, and by the way, if you look at Donovan's shot chart, you think the Spurs wanted him on the right side of the floor? And if you look at Donovan's shot chart for the season, he's better on the left side of the floor. Every single shot Donovan took last night was on the right side of the floor. They were not going to let Donovan get to the side of the floor where he's most comfortable. And so in turn, Donovan last night ends up shooting three for 10 in around the basket, one of four in the restricted area, three of 12 in the paint non-restricted. They keep getting him in deep. Ron keeps talking about the broadcast, so he's got to pull up. And then late in the game on the, Biggest play of the game, 
What does Donovan do? But adjusts and pulls up, stop and pops for a mid-range jumper. They had taken Donovan out of his game, and yet this kid, having a night that was not good, has enough gumption to be able to just, I got to roll, I'm going to do it. If I fail, it's all right. He pulls for three off the bounce straight away to tie it with five minutes left. He steals it from Kyle Anderson, goes coast to coast. He hits the pull-up jumper that puts the Jazz up one, and he goes four of six from the free throw line down the stretch. The role this kid is playing on this team is just is incredible. In the final five minutes of a close game this year, Donovan Mitchell has 52 shot attempts and 16 trips to the line. So you can kind of guesstimate he's probably used about 60 possessions. The next closest is Rubio, who's used about 18, maybe a little less. 60 to 18. In the final five minutes of a close game, Donovan shooting 40% from the field, 52% from three, and 81% from the free throw line. Those do not sound like great numbers. They are incredible for a guy going through this for the first time. I mean, he really, I mean, you know, Rodney was one of nine, 0 of five from three in those circumstances. And when Rodney was on the floor in the final five minutes of a close game this year, in the 11 games Rodney was on the floor, we were minus 28. And now you got this young kid taking over. And fearlessly, the kid, I mean, he's just going to be a superstar. My thoughts of where he's going are, are through the roof. Uh, Royce O'Neal is the other hero. If you go back and rewatch this game, his defense is world class. Just very, we got a Wesley Matthews phenomenon going on right now. Except for he's better. Because he, he can't shoot the 40% three right now like Wesley, though. The way he's growing, I'm not sure why we wouldn't believe he suddenly figured that out. But he's a better passer, a better rebounder, and a better, you know, I mean, Wesley really could never dribble. Everyone said Wesley wasn't going to make the league because he couldn't, because he couldn't shoot. Wesley wasn't going to make the league because he couldn't dribble and he couldn't pass. The Royce O'Neal in the month of February is playing 27 minutes a game. He's shooting 56% from the field, 47% from three. That seems unnatural. But six rebounds and three assists don't. And that's, so he's averaging nine points, six rebounds, three assists. And defensively, he was incredible last night, cutting off their drives in the middle. And on the final play of the game, got isolated on both Manu Ginobili and Kyle Anderson, and stymied them both to win the game. Royce O'Neal's becoming quite the story and quite the find. Versatile 6'6", 226. And by the way, Royce O'Neal, Jay Crowder, and Joe Ingles are all under contract for at least two more years. So you have Donovan, you've got Rudy, and you've got those three guys playing off those two with defensive mindsets, great skills, all different players, but all defensively minded. Pretty pretty terrific little core there, and we'll see what happens around it. N- you know, none of this roster building stuff is easy, but those three are going to be a tandem. 
And Jay Crowder played 30 minutes last night. It's pretty. Jay Crowder was awfully important last night. Just kind of a funny note last night that I was looking at. Rodney's played played over 30 minutes in in 14 games for the Jets. Just to pile on, no, I don't mean to be, but it's just kind of worth noting. In those 14 games, the Jazz were 4-10. and 10. So Jay Crowder's bringing a lot to the table. In his first game, 33 minutes, plus 4, really played terrific basketball. This show is brought to you in part tonight, today, on the day before Valentine's Day, by your friends over at Murdoch Hyundai. 4646 South State Street in Murray. There's also a Linden location and a Logan location. I'm driving the Sonata now, so I just, I'm pretty cool. I get to kind of just try different things, so I know what I'm talking to you. So first, the first car I ever drove was the Murdoch Santa Fe. And it blew my mind. Had all the safety features, everything. And they, they, when I first met the Murdochs, they told me a story about Robbie Bosco being down in Linden. And he was looking at a uh, Lexus. And he stopped by the Hyundai dealership. And I really honestly, at the time, I'm listening to the story, thinking to myself, like, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Then I drove the Tucson. Uh, then I drove the uh, Santa Fe. I also drove the Tucson. And I was like, oh, maybe this is a legitimate story because what I'm experiencing right now is an elite level drive with every bell and whistle for probably $20,000 less than what you're paying for a Lexus. Now wonder makes total sense. Now I'm in the Sonata. It's really an impressive, impressive sedan. It's got, I've got the turbo, so I've got a little bit more juice than might always be good. Um, but it's firing up and down the Canyon. It's got a great, comfortable ride, super, super amount of space, uh, inside, uh, and, and again, same exact feeling that I have had with they had when I when I took the Santa Fe out, which is here's this car that you know for what you're the the dollar figure what you're getting is through the roof. And then you get the Murdochs, and the Murdochs whole signatures there are no regrets experience that you're going to have when you're with them where you uh, get. Car washes for life, oil changes for life, five-day exchange policy for free, uh, price match guarantees. They're doing all those things to make sure that you have the absolute perfect experience that you can get. Check it out. If Hyundai's not on your list, add them as a brand that you should look at. And you'll see also why Hyundai feels so good with their 100,000-mile assurance, with their 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty that they put on every car. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, 
chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Okay, it's time for Time Machine Tuesday. Let's go into the bag. Here's the bag. The bag better come up with a good one. See, we got 10-game win streak going on for the Jazz. Last time it happened, the Jazz was 2009. And what do we get for our Time Machine Tuesday? Oh, my gosh. I doesn't, can't read this. What does it say? It says 2000. Oh, this is the last time the Jazz won 10 in a row. It's happening right during this streak. Funny. 2000. Amazing how Time Machine Tuesday works. It's kind of like that Jimmy Fallon show. All right, let's look at it. It is the 2009 season. The Jazz, will. last time they had won 10 in a row, it was the 2009 season. They started the streak on February 11th, so they were just at the very, very beginning of this streak. The Jazz team that year, head coach Jerry Sloan, assistant Tyron Corbin, Phil Johnson, Scott Layden. It's the Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer, Morris Almonds floating on that team. Some other fun names. Let's go look at our schedule and results and see what happened on February 13th of that year. The Jazz on February 13th would not play. They would play their final game before the All-Star break on February 11th. And they would beat the Los Angeles Lakers to go to 30-23 and 23 on the season. The Lakers were 42-10. and 10. Always good to have the last game at home before an All-Star break at home. And that's what the Jazz did. And they won a very good game, 113-109. to 109. Pau Gasol, who played last night against the Jazz, played 42 minutes for the Lakers at 16. Lamar Odom had 19 points and 19 rebounds, gave the Jazz fits. Kobe went 14 of 33 for his 37 points. Derek Fisher, 3 of 7, playing for the Lakers. Luke Walton getting booed, probably. Laker, uh, Luke Walton went 1 for 4. Trevor Reza, Sasha Vujovic, Jordan Farmer, and Josh Powell were on that leg. The Jazz started that night. Darren Williams, Ronnie Brewer, C.J. Miles, Paul Millsap, and Memo Court. Carlos Boozer was hurt. <clears throat> Talk about a different era. Gasol played 41. Lamar played 40. Memo Court played 45 minutes that night. Darren played 43. Darren had 31 points and 11 rebounds on 12 of 17 shooting. The Memo Okor had 22, 8, 2, and 3 that night. <clears throat> Ronnie Brewer had 16. CJ Miles had 17. Paul Millsap had 10 and 8. Kyle Korver came off the bench for 7.7 rebounds and two assists. Matt Harpering played 18 minutes off the bench. That was it. Actually, Quinn last night didn't play a lot of guys. We talked about that. And Harpering, uh, Harpering was a minus 12 in his 18 minutes. So the bench got 
yank. Ronnie Price played four minutes as Darren's backup. Costa Kufis played two minutes as Memo's backup, and Jerry had had enough of both of those performances, and the Jazz would win this game 113-109 to down the wire. I don't know if we have play-by-play on this. Do I? Does not. Oh, yes, I do. Let's go down. Let's go see what happened down the wire. Let's go to the, the end of the fourth quarter. And and check the excitement. The Jazz with about – the Jazz had built – went on a tie game. Uh, or Lakers went up – Lakers got within one at the 10-minute mark of the fourth. The Jazz went on an 8-0 run to make it 98-80. Jazz held that nine-point lead, and then all of a sudden Lamar Odom went nuts – it was down to five with three minutes left. Darren hit a free throw. Oda makes it a four-point game with three minutes left. Kobe scores. Next thing you know, Kobe hits a three with 136 left to take the lead. 105-104. Millsap answers with a shot at the rim with 127 left, plus a foul on Gasol to make it 107-105. Kobe misses a 16-footer. They get the rebound. Kobe misses a three-pointer. But Corver turns it over with 102 left. On in the backcourt, Kobe steals it and lays it up to tie it at 107. On the next play with 42 seconds left, Memo hits a three to give the Jazz a 110-107 win. With 28 seconds left, Kobe misses a three. Millsap rebounds, Fisher fouls, and we're into the free throw game at that point. And the Jazz, but Darren misses one of the two free throws. So it's a 111-107 game. Fisher gets fouled by Darren to make it 111-109. They foul Darren again. He makes only one of the two free throws. So now the Lakers have the ball down three with 19 seconds left. Fisher misses a three with eight seconds left. Odom gets the rebound, kicks back to Fisher, who misses another three. And the Jazz grab the rebound there. Darren Williams now makes. Darren only went three of six to line down the clutch, and the Jazz win it, one thirteen to one oh nine. What a fun! And that was the first win by the Jazz. They would then go to break, and they would come out of break that year and win ten straight. Most of them at home. Very similar schedule actually to what we have right now. Uh, they would then they they would go on to win twelve straight overall, finishing it on March twentieth. Uh, they lost in Atlanta, two thousand nine. I think that might have been Hot Rod's final year. Uh, and then we would go play that incredible triple overtime day game in Miami shortly thereafter. Uh, the Jazz that year would go on to win, finish forty eight and thirty four. If you remember, collapsed down the stretch, lost eight of their final twelve. And then lost to the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. That, that collapse down the stretch was really the brutal part of that season. That is Time Machine Tuesday. Jazz have won 10 straight home against Phoenix on Wednesday. We'll be back with you tomorrow for Locked on Jazz. You can always get the whole radio broadcast at Utah Jazz Radio Podcast. If you want to re-listen to the game the other night, you can also read everything at LockedOnJazz.net. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks to Slow the Flow for being part of the program, as well as Murdoch Hyundai. It is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, 
We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.